All right, guys, welcome back. This is Nick. This is Faye. And this is Creogs over, over Coffee. Coffee. All right, so today we have kind of a special episode um, on this Wednesday to go over a new topic in sort of financial literacy. So we are welcoming to the podcast. Um, Mike Foley, and not the Mike Foley you might be thinking of if you're in the MFM world, but Mike Foley, the junior. Michael is a comprehensive financial advisor running his practice out of Scottsdale, Arizona under North Star Resource Group. He was trained at Duke University and holds a certified financial planner designation alongside his certified student loan professional designation. He sees a diverse group of clients with financial and student loan needs, has two physician parents, as we've mentioned, and he's found a specialty in working with those of us in the healthcare space. Um, and then kind of important security things we have to mention is that he's a registered representative and investment advisor of Securian Financial Services. Um, securities and investment advisory services are offered through Securian Financial Services, Inc., which is a member of FINRA and the SIPC. North Star Resource Group is independently owned and operated at 6720 North Scottsdale Road, Suite 290 in Scottsdale, Arizona, 85253 brief version is that we are so excited, Mike, to have you join us today on the podcast. No, thank you guys so much for having me. Looking forward to diving into some of this stuff with you guys. All right, Mike. So on today's episode about student loans, um, talk to us about our learning objectives for today. Yeah. So the goal today, there's been a lot of changes in the in the federal student loan space, even as of the last six months or so. And so, you know, really wanted to spend some time talking mainly about the, the PSLF changes and a lot of the impacts that that's having on a lot of our clients. And I uh, want to make sure that people are aware of this new waiver. Um, you know, also wanted to, you know, keep in mind, there's a lot of turnover in the loan servicer space right now. And so just want to make sure that people are knowing uh, what's going on, why it's happening, and how to protect themselves uh, along those all those changes. That's usually when things go wrong. So I wanted to kind of dive into that. Um, you know, there have been, you know, the forbearance period keeps pushing back, but this one has actually created some new opportunities um, because it's now in between the tax filing status. So I wanted to talk about a little bit about that. And then just, you know, want to make sure that people know where to where to get updated information. You know, I think there's a lot of misinformation going around. So I uh, want to make sure that people are uh, up to date on and knowing, knowing where to find that updated information information. Perfect. I'm really excited about this because I think that this is one place in certainly our sort of need to know things, but we just have very little knowledge of. Um, and I want to start off with sort of that timely topic that you mentioned in public service loan forgiveness or PSLF, because that's been in the news a lot recently. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I mean, I think even just for those who aren't even aware of, you know, how that the PSLF program, I feel like a lot of my clients have frankly written it off because of so many articles or things that have come out about how bad it is. Um, but so for those that aren't really aware of it, you know, essentially the, the qualifications that, you know, you have to have for this is to have, you know, there's three, three things. You have to be on an income-driven repayment plan, you have to have direct loans, and you have to be working at a qualified employer for 120 months. It doesn't need to be consecutive, but you have to hit those three, three, three criteria in order to qualify. And so, you know, there's been a lot of, like I mentioned, a lot of the, the articles that have come out, you know, about the Wall Street, you know, the Wall Street Journal came out with an article that said like 98% of people are not getting their loans forgiven, which is uh, it led a lot of people to kind of write this off. But, you know, it's actually, if you dive into it, it's actually, they're pretty skewed statistics. Um, you know, when you look at it, the majority of that 98% of people that 
actually applied for forgiveness were applying on a, a hope and a prayer <laughs> that they were going to get forgiven. And you know, the statistics show that they didn't even have, you know, the bulk of those people applying didn't even have one qualifying month. So it's, it's crazy, you know, and so a lot of people, you know, didn't have one of those three, three criteria. And so um, I think there's a lot more information now because I mean, the program started in 2008. First people, you know, getting forgiveness is 2018. So nobody really asked questions <laughs> about the program before then. And so now that, you know, people weren't getting forgiven, uh, now they're starting to understand, you know, what the rules are. And the Department of Ed has done a great job of, you know, letting us know what those are. But still, there's a lot of people, you know, still in that, that were not getting forgiveness for a lot of various reasons. Um, may, you know, some of the more detailed things that people were not getting forgiven were they just maybe didn't have direct loans. They had old old fell loans, or they were maybe had direct loans they're making payments on. And then when they moved over to Fed loan, uh, you know, they were instructed to consolidate their loans. And now that uh, whenever you consolidate your loans, well, that wipes your record clean. Um, so you start all over. And I, I had a client that had that it was, you know, like four, four or five years um, in, into residency and making payments and then came to me and said, you know, hey, I just did this consolidation. Like, I want to get into the public service loan forgiveness. And there was nothing we could do because she's already consolidated her loans. And so now her record starts back at zero, which is really in, in impactful because the PSLF program works the best when you have the most amount of months at a lower income. And so that's why residency for physicians just makes a whole ton of sense to be making payments, right? Um, so, you know, long story short, those are some of the issues with the program. But back in October of last year, they announced, they kind of piggybacked on all of the emergency protocol and the emergency plans with COVID and initially Initiated this uh, emergency PSLF waiver. And so what this now says is that any there's only two criteria now to be able to go retroactively get qualified months. You have to be making some sort of payment on your loans, any type of loans, any type of payment plan, and you had to be working full-time for a qualified institution. Um, has to be some sort of type federal loan. And if you can prove that you were in repayment based off of that, they would retroactively add qualified months to your to your situation. So that was huge for like my client there who you know consolidated her loans and now is retroactively able to get those four or five months back now. Right. But now I have I have a lot of clients, you know, I was just dealing with another uh, client last week that you know, was never even pursuing the PSLF program and was on a, you know, uh, going, you know, between different income drivens and then was actually on a standard and had old types of loans that, you know, just didn't, that didn't qualify. And so she kind of wrote it off as something that I'm not even going to qualify for. But now it, because of all the residency and fellowships, you know, that just seven years of qualifying payments under her belt that we're now retroactively able to add. And now she's just a few years away from getting all of her loans forgiven. So, this is huge <laughs> for people who aren't aware of this stuff. And a lot of people who just have kind of written this off as, oh, I'm not going to get this. Well, we're seeing people actually get forgiveness on their loans. And I mean, there's you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars at stake here um, that for people that might not have you know, considered that. So um, so that's, that's kind of the, the, the waiver in a nutshell, but it's only open through October of this year. And then it reverts back to the old rules from there. I wanted to ask a little bit about what are the steps that you kind of need to get qualified uh, for this? Because this is obviously something that I think a lot of our residents and student listeners may may want to do. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I think the biggest things are we got to make sure that, you know, we want to get your loans 
in uh, on par with what are going to qualify for normal PSLF rules. So we need to make sure that if your loans aren't direct, we need to get them, you know, moved into a direct program and through through a consolidation or what have you. Um, and then you know we got to make sure that we go back and find all those employers that you worked for. And if you're in residency or fellowship, you know, it's just two two employers. And there's a employer certification form, and we call it the ECF form. And essentially, all it says is that you know you just fill out the top half saying hey I worked here for these dates you send that to usually your your program coordinator is a good point person for you um, you send that to them and then they they have they did, did all the required signatures and then they'll send that over to Fedloan who is the uh, the only loan servicer that runs the public service loan forgiveness so if you're not with Fedloan you're not in the right program um, so we got we want to make sure that you did with FedLoan and the, you can't reach out to them directly until you have that uh, employer certification form submitted and then they'll initiate that. I definitely uh, want to make sure that people are, are working with a professional on this stuff before just diving into consolidate because some of your loans might not need to be consolidated. Um, you know, if you already have some direct loans, they might tell you, oh, let's just wrap it all together. And that's likely not going to be in your best interest. So just a, you know, a, a word of warning on that for sure. And then kind of, I can imagine Imagine the scenario, you know, you mentioned like we don't have like a big employment history right now. And maybe we're you're listening and you're a resident who's at an institution that is like a for-profit institution and so doesn't traditionally fall under the auspices of student loan forgiveness. Um, is there any reason for them to investigate signing up for PSLF anyways? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, you know, it's absolutely something that you should get on some sort of income driven repayment program, regardless of if you plan on going into this, you know, forgiveness or not, because quite frankly, you know, life changes and legislation changes all the time. And so this is a very unique opportunity to get retroactive months if you haven't, you know, ha you know, haven't done things right up until this point. Get those under your belt. Does it's not going to hurt you to get on a repayment plan? And um, if it does, you know, if you, I mean, if you're doing MFM, you know, and you have essentially seven years under your belt, you know, that's that's better than not, you know, uh, not having that under your belt. Certainly, I feel like there's been a lot of changes in like the loan servicers, kind of in the last like couple of years, and also I think in during COVID there was, um, you know, some policies that allowed us to not have to pay back some of these loans. And so um, certainly for some of our listeners who may be in a financial situation where they said, oh my gosh, you know, I made all these payments and I actually I can't afford to do that because of what's going on right now, you know, what can they do about that? And also talk to us a little bit about, you know, some of those issues with loan servicers. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you bring up a good point because a lot of people that maybe have been paying ahead on their loans because they're just saying, you know, hey, I just... I'm going to pay these things off. I might as well keep my payments going throughout COVID, even though it's not required and you still get months for PSLF, even if you're not making payments, if you're on the income-driven repayment plan. A lot of people have kind of had this regret <laughs> feeling that like, oh, oh no, I shouldn't have made all these payments if I made it all forgiven. And so they do have uh, the ability for you to reach out to FedLoan and them to issue a refund for all of the payments that you've made through COVID, which is insane. You know, I mean, I have some clients getting like 
18 to $20,000, just like a check back to them for all of these payments now, because they know that they're going to qualify for PSLF and it's better, you know, in their pocket if, than, than not, you know, another client that, you know, has, you know, has a higher, uh, a spouse earning a higher income than them. And so they've been, you know, just making higher payments because they just figured that was the thing. And, you know, now we're, you know, able to get all, you know, get the, their, their plan changed and um, get them on a better repayment plan. And that refund is actually going to fund all of the rest of their payments through residency, which is crazy. So um, definitely encourage you to get a refund if that is something that um, that you're that you're looking for. But uh, when you talk about these loan servicers, uh, I think a lot of people get confused in the federal loan system and understanding the layout. And so just to kind of break it down, the, the federal loan system is a three-tiered system. So it's you as the borrower at the bottom, and then you have your loan servicer in the middle, and then you have the Department of Education on top. So that's the Department of Education is where the buck stops. They fund the loans. They they do all that, but they don't want to talk to you. And so that's where the loan loan servicer is the one that is going to kind of, you know converse with you, help you navigate that. But unfortunately, there's nine loan servicers out there that are slowly being transitioned out because every single loan servicer with the federal government has class action lawsuits out against them for misrepresenting their clients on their Department of Education record. Our job and my job as the CSLP is to come in and pull your Department of Education record to check the work of your loan servicer. And I kid you not, guys, I mean, I'm pulling this and it's like eight or nine times out of 10, there's something wrong on, on there that we have to go back to the loan servicer on. And so they're, you know, but the Department of Education has realized this. And so they are actually replacing all of the loan servicers over the coming years. And so that's where some of you guys have seen, you know, maybe if you're a Navient, you move into Advantage, or, you know, if uh, you were with Fed loans, um, so if you weren't in the PSLF program, some people have gotten moved over to Mohella. But um, the big thing was that like in October of last year, Fed loans said, you know, hey, I quit. And they actually just up up and said, "Hey, we're done. We're not going to lo- service loans anymore." Which was a you know everyone kind of went into panic mode because they're the only loan servicer with a technology platform to track for this public service loan forgiveness program. And so we've been in a kind of a waiting period or a dark period, not knowing who was going to be their successor. Um, so they they probably got paid an ungodly amount of money <laughs> from the Department of Ed to stay on for another year to facilitate this waiver, um, and then they're going to be succeeded by the uh, the loan servicer called. Mohella. And so they, th- those who are with Fed loans will probably be transitioned over there uh, probably later this year, they suspect. You know, the big thing, anytime, if any of you guys have gone through a loan servicer change, it's it's not always the smoothest, right? It's, you know, we want to make sure the biggest thing for especially people with Fed loan going to moving over to Mohella is make sure that you keep your payment history because if we don't have that payment history and they move over to Mohella and then you need to prove that you were making payments for the last 10 years or something, and now FedLoan is no longer a company. <laughs> There's no no going back to them and asking that. So if you can down if you download your history, you hold all the power, and we have proof if we do need to go back to it. So um, that goes for any loan servicer change. I would always make sure that you are downloading that off of their site, and just assume that when you do transition in loan servicers, you're not going to have access to that anymore. Super good advice and crazy to think that there's so much work that you kind of have to check on top of this. You'd think that the yeah. system moves on its own. Yeah, um, it's, 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 it's unfortunate, but you know, that's, uh, it's, it's better to know it than not. Right. Yeah, absolutely. 
I want to move on to talk a little bit more about the forbearance period that we've just been through. I know that it's been in the news too that the no interest period has been extended through May 1st, but tax season is also right around the corner too, and people may be changing tax brackets or doing things like that. So can you talk with us a little bit about what the forbearance extension might mean for people in the near term and long term? Yeah, for sure. I think this this extension was uh, was a really important one because now, like you mentioned, it's now on the other side of filing your taxes, and so this presents an opportunity that for some, you know, at some it might not you know really impact you, and it might be favor more favorable for you not to do anything. Um, so, as an example, I have some clients that. You know, they have, they were kind of, I, I call it being born into the COVID uh, world or the COVID forbearance period. I, they started residency in COVID and they, their payment's still zero. And they're, you know, when that turns back on, it's still going to be zero. And for some, some of my clients, their uh, income driven repayment recertification date isn't until like, you know, July or August, September of 2023. So that means that as long as they don't have to report their income, they don't have to do anything. And their payment is still going to be zero all the way for another like year and a half, which is if that's your situation, don't don't make any changes, right? But you know, some some people are in a in a little bit more of a unique situation that you know maybe you're going through a transition year, or maybe you have a spouse with higher income that we're needing to maybe just isolate only your income. Well, now we have the choice of either you know if we file you know recertify our loans maybe you know this month before we file our taxes. Well, that gets us another twelve months of reporting uh, for whatever we report on our income certification, right? And so it's always based off of your last year's tax return. So technically, if we recertify our loans now, we're going to be reporting and making payments all the, throughout this year based off of our income from 2020, because that's our you know most recently completed one. And so that's a big one because a lot of my clients that are going through transition and maybe just need a couple more years to get them through the end of uh, PSLF. Well, now they will, you know, perpetually, you know, be paying based off of their loans from two years ago. And so, you know, they will, that will get them just enough of an extension to really barely have to report any attending income to get the forgiveness. Maybe they'll have like one year of having to report and make payments on a really high income. So that's a really unique opportunity for some of those people in that situation. You know, others, you know, it might be more favorable to report after your, you know, you file your tax return for some people that, you know, I have a client that has a, a spouse that I think I alluded to earlier has a really has, has a high income and they're still a resident. And, you know, they filed their taxes jointly last year. And so her payment coming on is going to be, you know, it's like over over a thousand bucks, 1500 bucks a month. But if we can file their taxes separately and get them on, you know, the pays you earn plan, that's going to drop her payment down because they have several kids. It's like almost like 200 bucks a month. And, you know, and so that's going to save them like thousands of dollars by just waiting until after they report their income, right? So each, each situation is unique, but it just does, it does present a new opportunity that I just want to make sure people are lifting their head up and, and looking at these different opportunities that it can create for their situation. This is super helpful. Also, as someone who has student loans of her own, I'm like, these, this is great information that I'm going to take away with me today. Um, where else uh, could we get some you know good information to make sure that we're kind of going in the right direction, Mike? 
Yeah. So I think that's, that's the, the biggest question right now is because it's really hard to stay up to date on this stuff. And you can go out and find all sorts of information on various blogs and, you know, there's you know, all sorts of student loan advice online. And um, it's, but you have to be really careful because I've seen a lot of articles that even my clients have forwarded to me. That's just either inaccurate or it's just not uh, actually, it hasn't happened yet. And maybe it's just a theory that's being thrown around in legislation. And, you know, if people are making decisions based off of these blog posts or these articles about their financial situation, that's, that's truly detrimental. Right. And so we want to make sure that, you know, people are, are, are um, you know, thinking ahead on that. And so really the site, the go-to sites, if it's on the studentaid.gov website, you're golden. That's, you know, that's, that's a, uh, that's the government side. That's the department of education website. So I usually like to make sure that we wait till see that come through on the department of education before making any decisions based off of that information. Um, the other sites are, you know, the, the CSLP or certified student loan professional board um, actually has a blog that, you know, I, I also write for them, but they have a lot of the experts that are, you know, directly tied into this stuff that are reporting. And we have to have that cleared and approved before publishing that, that it's all, it all checks out. And so that's an, that's another solid resource that you can stay up to date on that stuff. Um, but, you know, the biggest thing is, you know, make sure you're working with a CSLP or some sort of advisor that is trained in the student loan space. And so that's why it's, it's helpful to have that, uh, that sort of certification behind their name. So you can know for certain that they are trained in this stuff. Amazing. And I know that we're planning to have you back on the podcast in the future to talk more through other financial literacy topics. Um, but if there are folks who have more urgent questions or want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I think in, we'll put some contact information in the show notes, but, you know, my, my email is just michael.foley at northstarfinancial.com. And um, you can just typically just Google Michael Foley Northstar and um, you'll see some of my articles and stuff. And um, we'll also put in the show notes, I, I also write for Medical Economics, uh, which is a publication and um, I've done some, uh, some detailed uh, write-ups on student loans, a lot of the updates and things like that. Um, so we'll get those on there and then I'll have my, uh, my content and we can even throw my, my scheduling link in the show notes if people just want to book something on my calendar. I'm more than happy to chat with you guys. Awesome. Thank you so much, Mike, for coming onto the show with us today. I feel like our listeners are going to learn a lot because I learned a lot today. Awesome. No, I'm so happy this is helpful. It's it's such an overwhelming you know world of student loans. And so I'm, I, I really try to just simplify and break it down, but uh, sometimes it's unnecessarily complex. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that does it for this super special episode today. Um, so once again, this is Nick. This is Faye. And this has been Creogs Over Coffee. So guys, if you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and go on to your favorite podcatcher, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and give us a five-star rating and review. You can find us online on Twitter at Creogs Over Coffee One, on Instagram and Facebook at Creogs Over Coffee. Or if you love the show, you can head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Coffee. Send us some love and we'll send you some swag. We'll have show notes for this show and all of our other shows on our website at www.creogsrivercoffee.com. You can also find the Rosh Review question of the week there. Finally, if you have questions for us, a correction to this episode or any other previous episode, you can email us. Similarly, if you're looking for Mike Foley's contact information, take a look at the show notes on the website today. Our email is creogsovercoffee at gmail.com. And again, the website is creogsovercoffee.com. <laughs>